This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at Pairing Cigar Bar in Media, Pennsylvania. She's Julie Linzillo. I'm Rich Jane. Dawn Ranieri's here, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rich. I am very excited. We haven't interviewed anybody about cigars on the podcast so far. We have had some interest because we're virtually cigar novices here, and I want to learn more about cigars. But what I want to know first is, how did Pairing Cigar Bar get started? So we just celebrated our fifth birthday in October of uh, 21. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, my best friend and her husband, who's also a very uh, good friend, uh, it was December of 2014, and we were in media going to dinner uh, at one of our favorite spots down the street, and we were also taking in uh, a show at Hedro Theater in Rose Valley nearby. And my friends and I have enjoyed cigars on the back deck in the summer for many, many years, and that particular night, it was just one of those great evenings where you're in media, and it's winter, and it's beautiful, and theater, and dinner, and at dinner, just an offhand comment was made, you know, it'd be great to go have a cigar after dinner because we can't go on the deck, right? There's, it's 30 degrees and there's two inches of snow on the ground and there's a cigar bar in Philadelphia, but it's See, so five far years away. before global warming, we yes, had all that snow in we December. Did. But we now did. it's 61 degrees out today on the avenue. I know, I could be on the deck. <laughs> but an offhand comment was made. And we all kind of looked at each other and were like, a cigar bar in media, that's an interesting idea. And you know how you have those crazy ideas and they just kind of go away. This one never did. It just stuck. And over the next few months, we kept talking about it and talking about it. And we started casually looking for locations that we thought would be appropriate. We knew it had to be in media. We were just sold on this part of media, Pennsylvania. And we started looking for a liquor license. And, and my friend Debbie, one of our partners has this saying that the universe doesn't make mistakes. And so this idea turned into, hey, there's an interesting location right on State Street that would work. Oh, hey, here's a liquor license that's for sale. And all of these things just started to land in our lap. 
And about six months after that crazy idea, when all of this was in front of us, before we pulled the trigger, we literally sat down and said, here it is, are we going to do this? And we did. And so uh, two years later, we had to renovate the entire property, obviously close on a liquor license, all of that good stuff. And October 21st, 2016, we opened our doors. Now, I know there are cigar bars, and I know there are whiskey bars that sell cigars. Mm -hmm. What was the idea to bring in the liquor license and make this a cigar and alcohol-related bar? Well, there's a lot of great cigar shops in this area already. And so, you know, you have to figure out what makes you different and what's your unique proposition. And so we weren't going to compete with some of the great cigar shops that are within 10, 15, 20 miles of here. And there's no point in being a bar that allows smoking if you're not going to cultivate that, that cigar community and culture. So that was really the idea. We, we knew that if we didn't get a liquor license, we were not going to open. So, um, you know, we signed the lease and, and started making all the plans, not knowing that we didn't have the liquor license until, you know, a few months later. But that was the whole idea was, you know, you want to take these two great luxury type experiential items and hence the name of our business, pair them together and build our business around the whole concept of providing a great experience and education, not only on the cigar side, because most people are that come in here are, are maybe a little more knowledgeable on spirits versus cigars. And again, you don't have to come in here and, and drink booze either, right? Espresso, you can learn how to pair with a nice herbal tea, right, or coffee. Wait, I had no idea we were going to be pairing herbal tea today. <laughs> well, well, And a cigar. We can, but, See, but it's a thing because not everyone drinks. I'm like a boiling pot okay. because I have so many questions I want to ask. And then you throw in the herbal tea side. I had even no idea that that was something that was approachable to do with cigars. Sure. I can see that. Absolutely. Because, like I said, not everyone drinks alcohol. So you don't want to just cater to that customer. You want to provide a pairing experience with a cigar with someone who might want a coffee or, or, or a soft drink or a non-alcoholic mixed beverage. So, so by all means, we, we do all of that. But that's really the lane that we knew we wanted to be in, was to take these two different but yet very comparable worlds and put them together in one place. Now, what for you has been the point? When did you know that you enjoyed cigars? What was that moment for you where, hey, I love cigars? So uh, I worked in the sports industry, uh, and I still do. Uh, since my, my late teens. And long story short, I owned a sports publishing business. Uh, the very first year that I went to business, there was that one day where you made that one sale where you went from the red to the black that year. And so I was out with some friends one night, and it was that day. And they're like, hey, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, by the way, my company made, you know, I'm, I'm $22 in the black today, or whatever the crazy number was. And my one friend just shot up from the table and ran down to the other end of the of the shopping area where we were located. Where did he go? And he came back with a handful of cigars. He went down to the beer distributor and came back. He's like, we need to celebrate this. And I'm like, okay. And I'll never forget, it was a, it was a bunch of Macanudos. I think most people, when you ask them, what was your first cigar? I think that cigar? was my first cigar, a Macanudo. Which, which in the early 90s is probably pretty common. So, so that was my first experience having one, and I was hooked. And I never smoked cigarettes, never. It was appealing to me. But something about the idea of smoking a cigar, which to me is very different. And so I kind of fell in love with that. And I'll never forget sitting on this outdoor cafe, and this older gentleman walked by, and he kind of stopped, and he got down in front of me, and he's like, 
yeah, I thought so. I thought you were smoking a cigar. And I love that too, right? Because <laughs> we're two-thirds female-owned here. We have three owners at Pairings and, and my best friend Debbie and her husband. So two-thirds female-owned, which is also a little bit, not as much of an anomaly as one would think, but certainly a lot of people not in the industry are kind of surprised when they learn that two women with a third male own this, this establishment. So that's kind of when I fell in love with it, was just sort of this whole concept. And then I just... I'm an educator by trade, so I, I like to learn. I'm curious. So I want to know stuff about what I'm doing. So I became much more involved in learning about the tobacco industry and the culture and the whole process of, you know, how does it go from a seed in the soil to a cigar in my hand? And what does that process look like? It's fascinating. Now, you touched on your two-thirds female-owned here. Do you find that more women were what would be the balance for you? to have females as your clientele who want to be educated about cigar smoking? Are you finding that you're gravitating women and females to the bar? I would say we probably, without doing any kind of data collection, we probably have a 65-35 split in terms of gender. We have a lot of female customers. We have female members that belong here and have a private locker. Um, so I do believe that our place is approachable to all types of people, whether it's Gender, race, age, doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I, I'm not sure, quite frankly, that a lot of people coming into the place know okay. that we're female-owned. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know that coming out of the gate. I don't work here all the time. My partners and I aren't here 80 hours a week. Uh, but certainly, I think that in the, in the cigar community, in the greater Philadelphia area, it has become known in five years that we are majority female-owned. So I do think that maybe has a, has a little play there, but... Really, it's about, is this place something that's approachable to anyone who's interested either as a newbie as an, or, or a, you know, a connoisseur for years of the cigar culture, that this is a place that they feel welcome? Well, we spoke about that, being a newbie mm -hmm. and that being approachable. And I think if I see and can relate to people already here mm -hmm. and know, again, that you are breaking through a barrier of hesitation because mm -hmm. as a newbie cigar smoker, mm -hmm. there are things that, you know, become very overwhelming yes. to approach. As as little as, you know, something small about even walking in and where do you start? Right. Where do you start as a newbie right. if, if, again, I'm walking in here, mm -hmm. you're saying, hey, fella, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you enjoy? What, same thing you asked us when we heard the first time. What do you enjoy? Right. You know, where do you gravitate towards? So how would take me through, you know, as you approach that new person who's looking to just have a cigar for the first time or learn and grow just the same way we have with whiskey. Mm -hmm. You know, you start out with, you know, probably Jack Daniels or, um, you know, some of the lower end whiskeys in college. Mm -hmm. And then you start tasting through some of these more bolder expressions and you figure out what you like and what you would like to drink. Mm -hmm. How does that work with cigars? Well, I think everyone at Pairings has a different approach with how they have conversations like that with customers that come in the door, and it all works, and it, and it needs to be authentic and unique to who they are. For myself, it really comes down to um, actually the way we designed the bar originally. So when we first designed Pairings, we did not have a walk-in humidor, which is pretty common in a cigar shop, is to have you know that, that separate room that's closed off, that has all of the humidification and the right temperature control and the Spanish cedar uh, to store the cigars, which is the optimal environment. And we didn't have that, and that was by choice when we first opened because, as you mentioned, 
there's oftentimes this sense of I'm new and I maybe I'm a little insecure about walking into a cigar shop and I don't want to look silly or uneducated. And we tried to remove those barriers. So by being a bar, what we saw when we first opened is it's an approachable environment because people get the bar, right? So even if you're a newbie to cigars, you understand when you walk into a bar what to do. Oh, do I sit over here on a stool? Do I go have a seat over here in this leather chair? Like, you understand how that all works. And these are wonderful, comfortable leather chairs, too. Thank you. You can almost sleep here (laughs) with the cigar, little, you know, wake up, have another one, right? Let's hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, But we, we designed the place to have actually refrigerated and humidified cabinets along one wall. So the idea here is that there would be no walk-in humidor you'd have to enter, right? Because when you walk over that threshold, now it's like, now I'm in this humidor and uh, what do I do? Whereas you could kind of casually browse the cabinets, right? And not feel like you're on display in this room looking around like, uh, I don't know what I'm looking at. So the cabinets allowed for a little more conversation, right? Because they're across from the bar. And so, you know, our staff can have a conversation with, you know, with a customer who you can kind of tell what they're just kind of browsing and that sort of thing. So that was all by design. But then as the business grew and we became known as a cigar shop in addition to uh, the, the bar component, we knew we had to expand. So we did build a walk-in humidor in our second year. Um, so getting back to, to your original your original question, the conversation really boils down to lots of different things. And, you know, may I help you? Or please let us know if there's anything I can answer for you. And, you know, oftentimes the customer will just say, I'm looking for this brand. Great. They know what they want. There it is. Um, Sometimes they're in a hurry and you can tell that they just, you have to be able to read the room, right? They may not want to have a chit chat conversation. They want to get their stuff and go. Um, But the folks who, uh, I hope the culture and the environment here cultivate that sense of it's okay to ask questions here right I don't, I'm, I'm here now and I don't feel like I'm being talked down to because that's the thing I mean I've traveled all over the country I've been to a lot of cigar shops and bars and as a female you oftentimes get that oh are you here for your husband or oh I'll show you the flavored section and I hate that and so you, know, you, you like flavored cigars or occasionally you, yeah, but I don't, you want, don't to, want that as question. a female right. I don't want it to be assumed that I'm buying for my husband I don't know what I'm looking at or what I'm talking about and yet I'm standing there thinking to myself I know more than you've ever understood about this so so we didn't want to create that. So, Which is why I wonder, if you already established that kind of comfort level, I, I think I would understand where more females would actually gravitate here because you've already, you've already had that experience. Right. So you, you definitely know how to create that environment that becomes more acceptable and welcoming. Right. But you want to stay away from assuming females are uneducated about cigars. That's what I mean, too. Because that, we because have many customers with you, right? who are very knowledgeable and have been smoking cigars for a number of years and are very aware of what they like and they understand the entire uh, industry very well as a consumer. So you never want to make that assumption. Just like, you know, we have this one customer who is this large, big, sort of burly guy and he only smokes flavored cigars like cherry and vanilla and right like you don't want you would assume this guy you know of this big stature is not going to come in here and get this tiny little cigar with a, a sweet tip on it right it just it doesn't compute so you can't make those kinds of judgments which you know we learn every day right not to do that absolutely but getting back to your your original question which i've certainly danced around is the conversation that you have with people for me has a lot to do with you know the time of day 
What have you had to eat today? What do you normally like? Like if you order coffee, how do you get your coffee? Do you drink it black? Do you like it with a lot of sweetener? Do you like flavored creamer? So lots of different questions that you can ask someone about, you know, the type of food they like or the way they take their coffee. If they even drink coffee, what do they normally like to drink? Those kinds of things can give me some information to say, okay, because especially if they're like, I've never had a cigar, right? If they've never had one, then you've got this sort of clean palate to work with. Now, oftentimes, if they've had one or two or three, they might have a slight recollection of what it was. They probably don't, right? So you might have very, very little information to go on. But lots of questions that, that one can ask about, you know, like I mentioned, the way you like certain foods so, prepared. All right, so, all right, that fascinates me. Huh? So why right, – take me through that. Sure. I like my coffee with oat milk. Okay. And lots of uh, trivia, lots of right. stevia. Right. Um, I like it sweet. Sure. Uh, what other things that you would ask me or would I be able to help you with so you would understand what kind of cigar I may enjoy? Okay. So getting back to the way you prefer, what you prefer your coffee. You like a lot very of Very hot, too. Okay, very hot. <laughs> so that may or may not necessarily right, don't play here. Yes, I have to ask you hot. But you like a little bit of a, some kind of creamer, mm-hmm. right, to sort of cut the, the strength of the coffee. Yes. And then you tell me that you like a lot of of sweetener. Yes. As I well. drink it like a dessert beverage. Yes. Okay. So then I'm going to probably have a conversation with you around a flavored or infused cigar to start with. Okay. Okay. Because understanding that you have this propensity for sweetness, you might want a cigar that's going to have a little bit of an additive on the infusion side, right? It might have a sweet tip. It might have some kind of flavoring. Like I mentioned, a chocolate or a coffee or cherry or a cognac or a blueberry, or there's a whole host of different things that are infused into cigars nowadays. And that's probably where I would start my, start my conversation with you. Okay. Now, if you told me that you drank your coffee black, um, we might have a different conversation because if you've never had a cigar before and that's how you like your coffee, I might steer you away from a flavored cigar because you're telling me sweetness is not something that you're going to you know, go all in on with your coffee. So I might start you with a very, very mild cigar that's not flavored. Perhaps something with like a Connecticut Shade wrapper, which is going to be a generally very mild cigar. Could have a lot of flavor behind it, but it won't be one of those cigars that like you smoke and you stand up and go, whoa, right? Because maybe that's something that you're not quite ready for yet. And the best thing is you don't want to have someone have their first cigar experience be that, because then you've just told them that this is not for them, right? So you want to try and figure out how can we really make this a good experience for you so that you're like, okay, maybe I do like this. Because if you don't, you don't. That's fine. But you don't want to have someone have the, like, the worst experience possible just to sell them a certain cigar because you've lost them. right? You want to try and educate and help and understand what their palate is like to try to steer them in a way that they might enjoy the experience and say, hey, you know what? I like this. This is interesting. Maybe I want to learn more. Maybe I'll be back in a few months and I'll try this again. Julie, one of the things that overwhelms me at least from that mild, robust, all those things that you just really helped me understand and hone better in on. But one of the things that overwhelms me is the different sizes. Right. And that's where I'm almost like I freeze mm-hmm. from a standpoint of somebody will get me into the um, humidor. Right. And now we're alone. Right. And there's a, there's a door with a window and everybody can see me in there. Yep. And now they're saying... A bunch of different terms right. of sizes, and 
they're asking me which size I want. Sure. And I have no idea what they're saying. Okay. So clarify that for me. All right. And those people that are listening now that also may not fully know and have that level of education that you do. Right. So there's a lot of names for different sizes and they can actually, there's, there's a little variation. So there's, you know, Robusto is generally a five inch cigar and about a 54 ring gauge, which is the diameter. There's Toro, there's Gordo, there's Petit Corona, there's Churchill, there's all of those. And sometimes a Churchill could be this size by this manufacturer and slightly different with another manufacturer. So what I tell people, the two key things you want to really worry about are not so much the names, but the dimensions. So when you see a cigar, oftentimes they'll say something like 6 by 46. The first number is the length, 6 inches. might be 5 and 7 eighths, but they'll round it up. And then the second number is that ring gauge, which is the diameter. So that's really where I tell people to focus in on, because that's, that's a constant, right? While somebody might call this cigar a Churchill and a very different size cigar might be called a Churchill by another manufacturer, that's where it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I like this Churchill, but this one seems like it's a different size. So stick with those numbers. So understanding the numbers that you like is a good place to kind of gravitate to, because, you know, even companies are coming up with different names, Right, so you know, there's like I mentioned, all of these different vitolas they're called, right? Robusto, Toro, Churchill, Corona, Petit Corona, Double Gordo. It goes on and on and on. And there's always you know some new manufacturer trying to be cute and saying, well, now we're going to call our cigar the whatever. Um, so you don't necessarily know what that means. The numbers are where I would tell people to stay. Now you mentioned the ring size. Yeah. How does that affect, or why is that important for a cigar? So cigars are made of three components. You have the outer wrapper, which is what we all see. Inside of that, you have the filler, which is the, the centermost part of the cigar. And that can be either long fill or short fill. Your higher-end premium cigars are have, have long fill. because And that means that the filler is the length of the cigar. When you have short fill, that's kind of the stuff that was chopped up and left over. right? So it's kind of like when you get crab with a K, right? It's like that. That, that stuff off the you know the factory floor, okay. right? So you well, don't. So, I would hope that that stuff's not coming off well, the floor. But but, but okay. short but short fill cigars as you're smoking them, right? The filler is like breaking off in pieces. So if you ever have a cigar where you feel like you know you've got pieces of like little tobacco in your mouth all through the cigar and it gets worse as you smoke it, you probably have what's called a short fill cigar. So then you have on the outside of the filler, you have something called the binder. Okay, so you have the filler, the binder kind of holds it together, and then that last piece is that wrapper that you see. So those are the three parts. So I had someone tell me this analogy once that I really love. Personally, for me, I do not care for large ring gauge cigars. So like a 6 by 60, 60 ring gauge is, is not something I enjoy. I usually like things at a 54 or below. But the analogy that this friend of mine told me was, think about a crab cake, okay? When you, if you like crab cakes, do you like crab cakes with a lot of crab or a lot of breadcrumbs? I'm, I'm personally crab, okay. all crab. I right. Mean, yeah. And Dust so, it with the breadcrumbs, so, but so not a lot. Is, this is the analogy. Think about the wrapper of the cigar as the crab and the filler as the filler, the breadcrumbs. If you have a bigger ring gauge cigar, you're going to have more filler. Okay. Right? And think about the ratio. Because most of your flavor, believe it or not, in a cigar comes from that outer wrapper leaf. Not from all the stuff inside. I mean, it has an influence, of course, but the wrapper has tremendous influence on the flavor of the cigar. So if you have more filler, you've now skewed the ratio 
of that cigar content from a lot of wrapper to a small amount of filler to now a lot more filler. And so, again, they're very popular sizes. We sell a lot of cigars in that large ring gauge. Again, it's all personal preference. For me, I prefer something that has a smaller ring gauge because I'm now getting a stronger influence from the wrapper, which is where the predominant flavor for that cigar comes from. I always projected in my head that a thicker cigar that you talk about is a slower smoking cigar. Can be. And is that that's why I always thought if you wanted something that was going to draw slower, mm-hmm. that's why you would go with a thicker, longer cigar. Yeah. It, so, it re- again, it comes down to personal preference. I mean, you know, I have friends that smoke cigars like, you know, constant. The bottom of the cigar is always bright orange because they're just constantly. So you can smoke a six-inch cigar in 30 minutes if you just constantly do this. Um I like a Lonsdale, Panatella. Those, again, are, are the Vitola names for something that has a smaller ring gauge on them. Because, again, it's about that ratio of filler and binder to wrapper. They can tend to burn a little quicker. Um, but, again, it's about what's the experience. Are you looking for an ex- a cigar that's going to last a long time? Or are you looking for something where you really want to kind of savor the, the flavor and really think about, you know, how does this wrapper working with this binder and filler? And, again, it's about, you know... There are times where I'll smoke a cigar while working in the yard. I'm not really thinking about that cigar. Then there's the times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and have a nice scotch or a tequila, and I'm going to pull this cigar that's been in my humidor for two years, sitting and waiting for this moment so I can just sit and only think about that cigar and the drink and how they're working together. That's my first block. So you've helped me understand, now that I'm walking in, I have a better idea of what I might be able to communicate, and you have a better understanding of where you'd like to take me. Mm -hmm. My next block is that part where now we have to open, cut, and light. Okay. Because now I see, you know, the conversation is like, how much do you cut? And then there's the different kinds of cutters. Sure. It almost looks like a bullet where you dig out some parts and yep. a, or a V cut. Yep. or So what are all those cuts and why are they designed to do what they would do and what really, how would you take me through that? Okay. Again, I believe it's personal preference. Uh, I tend to always use a straight cut, which is exactly that. Right? That's taking the cutter and just like yep. a guillotine and just yep. snipping off the end. Correct. And so uh, the V cut and the plug or the punch cut that you mentioned that pulls a plug out of the cigar. Again, all preference. Uh, I don't, for me, right, and I'm sure some people who are adamant V cutters will say that it does this or that, and that's great. That's their experience. I love that. Um, I prefer the straight cut for a few reasons. The cigar, um, and I can get one and we can sort of walk through it, but you know, when you have a regularly capped cigar versus a torpedo or something like that, but your traditionally round capped cigar, you want to, and this is for, you know, I'll go through, you know, as I'm cleaning out ashtrays or something here on an evening, I kind of laugh because you'll see somebody takes like three quarters of an inch off, you know, just, oh, you can't do that. You paid for that. Right. And, and that's and, that's and, where all that filler and great leaf is well, that you explained. you because you have. You have. And here's the reason why. So when you look at the top of a cigar, like imagine this microphone is the cigar. Imagine this silver part here is the cap. Because what happens is after they roll the cigar, right, they put one leaf on top, and it's this cap. It kind of covers the area that you cut. And so if you cut below here, your cigar is going to unravel because that cap is meant to kind of hold Ah. that wrapper, right, that is on the cigar like this. And so when you have this, this cap, you want to think about, like, your shoulders, okay? And you don't want to cut below the shoulders. 
So I will literally take a paper-thin layer off the top of my cigar, because that's all you need. You just need to be able to get a draw. You don't need to take this much off of your cigar because you run the risk of damaging it, of having the cigar come unraveled, and there's, there's no need to do that. So all you need is to take a paper-thin layer off the top. Now, you've helped me cut my cigar. Mm-hmm. Is there a method of lighting a cigar that's the right way, the proper way to light a cigar? Well, one thing you don't want to do is is burn the wrapper, okay? So what happens is I'll see people with a big torch lighter, and they just, you know, and what you'll see this black char. Am I supposed to start with it in my mouth or outside of my mouth? Because I've, see, I've seen people do the same thing where they'll kind of... Toast. Like, yeah, I yeah, guess. So I, I, it's called toasting the foot. Okay. Okay, so I do that with mine. So, again, there's all sorts of schools of thought. So we have, over there, I have, don't have it here, but... If you're looking on the podcast and you yes. look back behind you in the <laughs> yeah. back seat, that's where Julie's pointing to. So in your back seat, so she we, has... So we have um, what are called cedar spills. So when you open a box of cigars, frequently there's a really thin layer of cedar that might be between the layers of the cigars or that they use to line the box of cigars. We'll pull those out and we break them up into little strips and we'll stick them around the bar in you know, glasses or jars for customers to use. A lot of times um, people don't want to have the butane from a torch or the sulfur from the match touch or influence the cigar. Or even if you're pulling that in and puffing Mm -hmm. that process, right? So a lot of times people will take one of these little like five or six inch strips of thin cedar and they'll light that on fire with whatever, match, torch, whatever. They'll kind of let that sulfur or whatever burn off and then they'll use that cedar, which burns very slowly, to actually light their cigar. So that's kind of a fun you know, and we'll send customers home with that. And they'll go go look like a celebrity at your bachelor party, and you know, light your cigar like this, and they love that. Um, but as far as how I light my cigar, as I mentioned, I toast the foot so I don't put it in my mouth at first. After I've cut the tip, I might take a cold draw, just because you can get some different flavors from the cigar before it's lit, and kind of get a feel for what's what's going on before you light it up. And I will toast the foot, but you want to be very careful when you're toasting the foot of the cigar that the flame doesn't go up the side of the cigar because it'll just turn black. And now you've burnt the wrapper, which, as I mentioned, is where a lot of your flavor is. So it's like burning that great filet. It's like it's going to taste a lot different, right, than if you prepare it the way you want it. Yeah, it's almost like you're making it black and blue. Exactly. On, a, on a fillet, right? You, yeah. You've charred the outside. Right. And now right. you've got this, you know, very rare inside. Yes. So you want to avoid charring the outside of the cigar. And sometimes that flame will, you know, trickle up the side. But you want to try and keep it right on the foot. And then you also, like what I'll do is I'll, I'll blow on it after I've done that. I'll blow on the tip and look. And you'll see where you've maybe missed. Because when you blow on it, it'll turn orange. And you'll see if there's a black spot that you didn't light that area. Because you want to get an even burn on the foot of the cigar, otherwise it'll burn unevenly as you smoke it. And sometimes people will get this effect where, you know, the cigar's burning up the right side and the left side's, you know, an inch longer. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, you didn't light it evenly when you started lighting it. That's that's usually the cause of that. So, again, some people put it right in their mouth. They light up the, the torch, you know, take three or four big puffs, and they get a six-inch flame, and that's what they like to do, right? But, again... I think a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Now, I, I hear a lot, you mentioned humidor and mm-hmm. humid and humidity and right. these cedar strips. Right. With a cigar, if you don't have a home humidor, or how do you store a cigar? How long will a cigar last to store? Mm-hmm. 
uh, can I can I keep a cigar for years and just stick it in a drawer and will it stay? How does that work? So um, if you don't have a humidor, it's fine. So a lot of people do what's called Tupperdor. You get Tupperware. Because the idea here is you want to maintain a consistent environment in that container, right? So a lot of folks will buy Tupperware containers that are nice and airtight. Uh, but you want to maintain the humidity in there at the right level for your preference. Because, again, there's some range that's available. Some people like their cigars to be a little more humid. Some like them to be a little less humid. But others, you can go, obviously, extremes either way. You, you know, something that's too dry will just sort of crumble. Something that's too humid will just, it just won't, you won't get the right experience with that. So a cigar can go stale? Oh, absolutely. And is that when it just dries out so much? or? Yes. Does something happen to the tobacco you lose the over oils, time? Yeah. You lose the because oils. You know, if you think about a really nice, like say a, a nice Maduro wrapper or a, or a Corojo or Sumatra, a nice dark oily wrapper, you know, when you touch a cigar of, of high quality, you, you can feel almost sometimes you know, the moisture in there and that oil. Um, and plus, you know, as you age some of those cigars, that oil comes more to the surface. If it sits in your humidor for a couple of years, over time, that aging process allows the oils to come out to the surface, which again is the wrapper, which is where your flavor is. So in, uh, certain cigars over time will, like wine, improve with age because that time of that oil moving to the surface will influence the, the taste experience. Now, I see you have humidors or lockers mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. that people can keep their cigars here, is that a way also to make sure that they stay in that proper environment and then they can enjoy them when they come here? Yeah, so the inside of all of those lockers are, again, Spanish cedar. The whole interior of that cabinet is lined with Spanish cedar, and there's a humidification unit in the bottom. So that cabinet is maintained at around 69 to 71% humidity. 12 months out of the year. So in that locker, your cigars are properly maintained just as they would be in our, our humidor or our, our cabinets or a properly maintained home humidor on your on your desk. So you have a cigar club here. Yep. Now, what are some of the benefits that you offer for having people be members of the club? Yeah, so uh, private locker members here, as you mentioned, get that locker. They can store things in it here. Um, they, uh, they get cigars from us throughout the year. You know, a few times a year, we'll put five, six, seven, eight cigars in a locker. We used to do it monthly, but we kind of got away from that. So now we just make sure that a few times a year, you get a really big, nice surprise uh, in your locker. They also get discounts. So because we are a full bar, we have the opportunity to really make it interesting for members. So they get discounts off all beverages, food, accessories, single cigar purchases, box cigar purchases. And if you're a member and you have a group that comes in with you, that discount extends to your entire group as long as they're visiting with you. So, you know, when you look at it, a lot of folks come here and, and we have many members who they regularly come here with a group of people because why not? You know, when their friends are with them, they can extend that offer to everyone who's in their group with them. Now, are there some cigars right now for you at Pairing Cigar Bar mm -hmm. that are unique, that you're having create or have somebody create and manufacture for you? Or are there specific cigars that um, are limited supply mm -hmm. that you're able to get for the public? Yeah. So on the first question, no. We, we have a few things that we've done around that idea. 
Um, but a lot of places have what's called a house cigar, and oftentimes maybe it's unbanded, and it might be a little better price point than other cigars. We chose to stay away from that. Uh, what we have done is introduce what we call our vault selection. So we will curate cigars from certain manufacturers and factories, and we will, say, buy, I don't know, maybe 500 or 1,000 of them. That's what they have. We'll take them. And then we will educate our customers, talk to members, and we'll have them in a humidor for as long as they're available. And when they're gone, that's it. So again, it's about exclusivity, and it's about if you like these, it's a one-time thing, buy a few, take them home, right? Because this is it. So we like to try to do that as opposed to just having a, a house-branded cigar that you know might be at a lower price point that oftentimes when, when stores do that, they might source them from different places. And again, that's their model. I love that. That's, we chose to go a different way. Um, we are also members of what's called the Limited Cigar Association. It was started about maybe about a year and a half ago, uh, and it was meant for brick-and-mortar cigar establishments, not online retailers, but brick-and-mortar locations, to provide an exclusive cigar that comes out monthly. So we're one of the three or 100 or 325 shops in the U.S. that are part of that program. So on the first Friday of every month is when the LCA drops, is the terminology. And so we're part of that program where these cigars come into these, you know, 300 or plus or minor stores around the country, and, you know, they're only available, and when they're gone, that's it. That's got to be exciting. It's fun. First so, Friday, I'm, like, knocking down the door to find out what you got, It's right? fun. There's a, you know, there's obviously a big social media following around this concept, and it does. It, it, you know, the intention, I think, behind the program, you know, especially when they launched it, the way that they did at the time with the pandemic was to drive business to brick and mortars, and it's done that. And I think, you know, it, it brings people into pairings that uh, maybe had not been here before, or what I find really interesting is I'll see on the, on the different social media pages People will say, hey, I'm traveling to so-and-so. Are there any LCA shops in that region? So it's, it's this whole other conversation, which, again, you want to be part of as many conversations as possible um, to attract new business, build community, and introduce people to, to your establishment and, and your cigars. But the LCA is a really neat way to do it. We also are um, a Davidoff retailer. So Davidoff has uh, two programs, Davidoff Cigars. Um, they have what's called an on-premise retailer. And you, Davidoff picks you to sell their product. So most cigar companies are, are the other way, right? You approach them, hey, I want to sell your stuff, great, and that's how that works. Davidoff chooses you. And so we were very, very fortunate in 2019 to be chosen by Davidoff to be what's called an on-premise retailer. That's meeting. very complimentary. It is, because we really, it was very coveted and something that we really wanted, and it was a, a conversation that we've been having with them for about a year uh, to get to that point, and um, it is very complimentary. And they walk into your establishment and go, oh, yeah, this is this is the spot, right? Uh, and it's been wonderful for us. Our customers love Davidoff. We've done some really wonderful events with them here, which we can. And again, it's an exclusive thing. Not every shop or bar in the area has Davidoff. Some do, which is great. But, um, you know, it's a very educated consumer generally who likes Davidoff product. And so it's, it's fun to be able to do things and to have that here. Uh, but especially the kinds of events that they help us curate uh, are really special. Julie, I want to go back briefly to you and Debbie, or you and Gary, mm -hmm. and Debbie, right, on the deck, yes, seeking out in your mind that perfect cigar bar, right, and now you're 
just having celebrated your five-year anniversary. Right. Talk about some of those aha moments for you when you realized that the public now got exactly what you had envisioned. And, and those were the moments where you guys looked at each other and said, we're, we, we have something. We're really on to something here. Well, I think that moment for me actually happened here at Pairings. Um, so when we, in 2014, had this idea, and then in 2015 it all started to come together, and then we built the place in 16 and opened, we knew that we wanted this to be a place that had a really nice aesthetic, which I think we've achieved, but that also was very welcoming. So we didn't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, I can't go in there, right? It's, it's not for me. It's, you know, I can't, I, don't, I can't afford that or, ah, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in that kind of a place. We really wanted this to be a place that no matter who you were, whatever, whatever your budget was, whatever you do for a living, no matter who you love, this was a place that you felt comfortable. And so I'll never forget uh, one night we were here um, and the place was pretty busy and it was just one of those moments where we kind of looked around and we're like, look at the diversity in here, right? Look at the, the, the differences in age and race and gender and, you know, those two women are together and here's this couple of, you know, you know just out of college age, you know, friends hanging out and and people in a $5,000 suit next to somebody in work boots and it just that was the moment for me was that I saw our our desire for a place that would welcome everyone actually in existence and you know I've always said that cigars are one of the greatest common denominators and they bring people together that would otherwise never cross paths and when I see that happen here, when I see people who meet here for the first time and then you start to see them come in together, right? They somehow had a connection and they made, hey, I'm going to be at pairings this afternoon. Oh, and they start to exchange phone numbers and come hang out. That's pretty cool, you know, to, to feel like you have created a place that has become a sense of community for others is a really huge compliment. That's a great explanation of, of that moment for you because we all have them mm -hmm. and sometimes that moment just kind of slips on by and we don't understand the magnitude right you really grasped that for all it was mm -hmm. and that's awesome and now you celebrate your five-year anniversary yep what's the future look like for pairings well uh a few things a few things i can't quite share okay. perhaps yet uh but we'll be excited to talk about them when they happen but we do have some things in the works uh, that we hope will be rolling out in the next 90 to 120 days. Um, but um, we've, we've just been very blessed by you know, amazing customers who not only helped us survive, but thrive a little bit in the pandemic. I was going to ask you, how, how has or how had COVID, because we're still going through different variations of the pandemic, yep. how has that affected or how did that affect your business? Well, you know, we kind of have a foot in both camps. We're a, we're a retail shop, but we're also a bar. So we had to balance both of those things because if you know, you know, through COVID there was, well, stores could be open, but bars were closed. And then, you know, bars could open at 25% capacity. And so there was all of these different sort of moving parts that we had to manage throughout that process. So we, we literally were, some days we were a retail establishment, other days we were a bar. 
Then we got closed down again around this time last year, if you recall, in, in like mid-December. Yeah, for three, four weeks. They shut bars yep. down again, or they went to 25%. I remember, because it, it was constantly changing. Then we had to offer food. You had to buy food if you were going to stay and have a drink. So um, we just had to be very, very nimble. And uh, I think we were you know, lucky in that respect, both in terms of our staff being able to be very resilient and flexible. And our customers understood, you know, we just trying to stay open and, 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 and get through all of that. But our customers were incredibly supportive and generous. And, and, you know, and we did, you know, lots of uh, delivery. I mean, I was driving cigar deliveries around in March of 2020. You know, customers would call. And I, if it was in 15 miles of here, I was driving to people's houses and putting cigars in mailboxes and waving at them because nobody wanted to get anywhere near anybody, right? Um, and so we would have you know, curbside pickups. So we did whatever we had to do on a very, very uh, shifting landscape around what we were permitted to do at any given time. One last question for you. Yes. I actually have two. Okay. Number one, you took us through the introduction of cigars and, and a lot of the different terminologies and things we should be more aware of. And now you've taught me and Dawn a lot of stuff today. Mm-hmm. How do I smoke a cigar? Well, that's a that's a loaded question. Uh, what do you mean? How do well, I? Well, I mean, do I inhale? Do uh, I see? I, that's the other. No. Okay, I mean, but that's for some people. Sure. They look at that, and maybe that was their first experience that they had one, and they inhaled and right. And and or or how do you like? Do you do you, do you draw it in your mouth? Do you sure? I, there's so many like even even sipping whiskey or drinking tequila there are different ways i'm saying you're drinking wine there's a whole process to do that sure what's the process for smoking a cigar so again i think it's going to be personal right so i don't like to be preachy uh but for sure i mean you are drawing that cigar smoke in uh there's what's called a retrohale which i think takes a little bit of time to to achieve and certain cigars you know you get a stronger burn but essentially the retrohale is you take the cigar smoke in and then you, you, you blow it out through your nose. You're not inhaling it into your lungs, but rather than just blowing it back out through your mouth, you force it out through your nose. And so clearly you're going to get some very different flavors. Nobody has ever told this to me. Retrohale is Nobody, I've never heard anybody do this. Right, and it's an acquired skill. That's fascinating. Yeah, I and mean, the first time I did it, it was not a pleasant experience. So you, you, you learn, right? Um, but that can oftentimes do... Um, do more for your ability to pick up different flavors or, or, or profiles in the cigar. You know, I don't read a lot of cigar reviews because everyone's palate is different. Right. Right. So when this person says, oh, I get, you know, nuts and chocolate and I'm like, no, I don't want to read that because I don't want to be influenced by that because I may or may not get that. So I don't want to buy a cigar based upon that. And quite frankly, I get different experiences from a cigar based upon what I've had to eat that day. So, like, if I had a really huge, you know, nice big steak for dinner, I'm more prepared to smoke a really strong cigar. That same cigar at 11.30 in the morning will destroy me. So I have to think about, you know, where I am in my day and what have I eaten. Um, What you talked about with flavor and those reviews or tasting notes, one of the things I think for Dawn and I is that if we'll drink uh, bourbon... Sure. And that has we find a review somewhere. I'd rather not look at the review. Yes. Drink the bourbon right. or rye or whiskey or whatever. 
figure out where what our own characteristics of that, the, the palate, mouthfeel, and all this. But then I'll go back to the tasting notes. Right. Because some of those things, like you mentioned, chocolate or, you know, different kind of components, mm-hmm. then you kind of see if you can search for them. Right. See if they're there. Right. And that's also part of the fun experience, too. Right. But you're right. I don't want to have that preconceived notion. Right? I don't either. And, and you're, you're like, oh, this is a big, you know, this is a big vanilla bomb. And you're right. like, I don't taste vanilla anywhere. Right. Where, where do they find vanilla? Exactly. So I, I, I fully understand that. So we're, we're talking about inhaling first through the nose, depending on what you ate that day. Yep. And, and then do I just draw it into my mouth and just... Yeah. Enjoy that flavor and then just and, exhale. And, and, yeah, and the same time as if you're pairing it up with something, right? Maybe you want to have a sip of something at the same time, right? And, and have both in your mouth simultaneously to experience maybe how that smoke is interacting with that rum or that rye. Or that single malt, or you know, I'm having a peated scotch tonight, and so you know, how does this cigar sort of stand up to that heavily peated flavor in my scotch? So again, it's about experimenting, and the best pairing is the one that you enjoy, and the and the best cigar is the one that you enjoy. So it's really about if you're curious, you know, there's a whole world out there of things to experiment with and and try together to find that area that's the lane that you really enjoy to be in. Julie, this has been awesome because yes. you've given me so many ideas now and things I want to do with cigars and pairings. And that's why you have this bar here. And we can't wait to start tackling some of those things, especially yes. with your you know, amazing staff who are going to approach things the same way you have today. And if you're open to that experience, because yep. I think if you're open to walk in and even the most cigar whiskey aficionado, rum aficionado, if you're open to say, hey, you know, I can learn something today. Right. There's something new you can learn here every day. And from the customers. Yeah. You know, that's the cool thing, too. Because of the community here, you know, we learn from our customers all the time as well. The great thing about cigars and tobacco and even spirits is the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. There's always more to learn, which for me is fascinating. Now, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we haven't mentioned today that you want to make sure that people know about pairings or some of the things you're doing here? Gosh, uh, other than, you know, follow us on social, Pairing Cigar Bar on Instagram, PairingCigarBar.com. Our event calendars are there. Um, it, it's a really wonderful place, I think. Of course, I'm biased, but if you're, <laughs> if you're looking for a comfortable spot to learn about cigars, to, you know, enjoy the company of other folks who enjoy this whole culture around cigars and, and pairings, uh, I, I think we've created a really unique spot to offer that. Well, I can't wait to have that experience that we we went through together yeah. really soon. And uh, I do look forward to all the great things and the new things that will be coming from Pairing Cigar Bar. So if you're in Media, Pennsylvania, what's your address? 12 West State Street. 12 West State Street. So right now, you can take the trolley outside of Philly, yep. Yep. right downtown. You sure. can get here. Yep. And uh, you can have that same great experience, education, and a- adventure like you just described for us. Yes. yes. Thanks so much, Julie. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Brewskits. Beer, grain, dog, bones. Brewskits. Your dog will go wild. Brewskits. Beer, grain, dog, bones. A healthy alternative for your pup. Brewskits are all natural and made in the USA. Visit brewskit.com. That's B-R-E-W-S-C-U-I-T dot com. <laughs>